Hello and welcome to the RBC Broadview Campus Sermon Podcast. Our mission here is loving God, loving people and seeing lives change. At RBC, our heart is to build a Jesus-centered community to see lives changed in multiple languages and locations. We hope you enjoy this message from one of our weekend services. To find out more about us, please visit our website, rbc.org.au. What a beautiful time of worship we've just had. You know, that time where we just spent surrendering ourselves to God. God wants to do something here this morning. As we surrender ourselves to him, this message may be challenging for some, but God's got a purpose in it all. He wants to challenge us. He wants to change us. He wants to grow us. He wants to develop us into the people he's called us to be. So let's have open hearts, open minds as we hear this message this morning. Last week Dave began our series on one another and he set the tone for the series by sharing with us the challenge that Paul gave us from Philippians about serving one another in love and humility. And our one another series is based on Jesus' new command that said, love one another just as I have loved you, from John 15, 12. Jesus is saying that the love that we now show to one another is our biggest sign to the world, the world meaning anyone who's not a follower of Christ, that we are Christians, that we are his followers. He says, by this, by loving one another, by this shall all men know that we are his followers. What a challenge. It's not how often we go to church. It's not whether we swear or not. It's not whether we preach at people. It's not whether we post a Christian meme on Facebook or Insta. It's our love for one another. That's how the world will know that we're his followers. That's a challenging thought, isn't it? There are close to 100 references to one another in the New Testament, mostly from Paul's epistles, his letters to the churches, where he expands on all the different ways that we can apply Jesus' new command, such as submitting to one another, forgiving one another, encouraging one another, honouring one another. And today we're going to talk about striving to do good for one another. Our role as the church, as the body of Christ, as followers of Christ, is to represent Jesus in and to the world. Jesus has purchased our citizenship in heaven, but until he takes us home, our mandate here on earth is to live as his representatives. Whether we've been a Christian for 60 years or six years or six minutes, there's always something more to learn. We're challenged to continually evaluate what we do so that we can represent him by getting rid of wrong attitudes and things which are not God-honouring. Our collective goal is to bring glory to God through one anothering and for the sake of the world and for the sake of the gospel. Recently, Mark and I went and saw uh, Les Mis. Who's seen Les Mis? 
Yeah, I've seen it a number of times, both live performance and the movie. Love it. It's such a fantastic story about grace and forgiveness and it challenges me every time. So for those of you who aren't aware of the story, after 19 years, a prisoner is released on parole. He was in prison for stealing bread to feed his starving sister and, and children. And Jean Valjean, he's released, but due to his criminal past, he's unable to find work or somewhere to live. So a kind bishop takes him in and gives him some food and lodging. But during the night, he stole all of his silverware and took off. The police captured him and brought him back to the bishop and said, this guy's stolen all your stuff. And the bishop, instead of saying, yes, that's what happened, he grabbed the candlesticks and he said, you forgot to take these as well. So the bishop offered mercy to someone who was starving, who had somewhere, who, who was a criminal and had nothing and had stolen from him. Instead of retribution, he showed mercy. And after the police released him, he, the bishop said to Valjean, use this silver and make yourself an honest man. And, and it transformed him. He then became a wealthy business owner and also the town mayor. So the story of Les Mis is a battle between grace and law and a contrast between mercy and revenge. Strive to do good to one another. Our message today is based on 1 Thessalonians 5.15, which we'll have up on the screen. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, or in the New Living Testament it says evil for evil. But always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. In the few verses before verse 15 in chapter 5, Paul's instructing the Thessalonian church on how to treat one another. He's saying respect your leaders, live peaceably with one another, give firm instruction or warning to those who are stepping out of line. But if someone's feeling spiritually discouraged, then come alongside them and encourage them. And then there's others that need to be taken care of, those who are weak physically or spiritually, and to be patient with everyone. And then he goes on in verse 15, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. So Paul's saying if people offend or upset you, and they will not to retaliate. It's always our first instinct, isn't it? But he's saying, show love. Remember, hurting people hurt people. And these people that he's referring to, the ones who are stepping out of line, the ones who are discouraged, the ones who are weak, the ones who are ill, they may hurt us because hurting people hurt people. And if they're hurting, they might react. But he's saying, don't react back. People will offend us. People will be mean to us. People will hurt or upset us. It's part of life. And when I was in Bible college, they called it sandpaper ministry because people will rub you up the wrong way. 
But then Paul adds at the end of the verse a little PS. He extends it and says, not just for each other, but strive to do what is good for everyone within and without the church. Romans 12, 7, sorry, Romans 12, 17 to 19, Paul writes a similar thing. He says, do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Do not repay evil for evil. Do not take revenge. Despite the claims that revenge is sweet and Hollywood glamorising people getting their just desserts, this isn't God's way. God is a just God and as Andrew prayed, God is a just God and he gives us justice and mercy. So when he says, do not take revenge but leave room for God's wrath and vengeance is mine, I'll repay, he's reminding us that it is his It belongs to him. It doesn't belong to us. It's not up to us to repay. Revenge is an act of vindictiveness, but justice is a vindication. Revenge is about retaliation. Justice is about restoring balance. Revenge is fueled by emotion. Justice is objective and equitable. I work for a lawyer and I see this all the time. People come in, they've been wronged, they want the other person to pay. However, the courts are impartial. They're not driven by emotion. They look at both sides and they rule according to justice and equity. The courts are agents of justice and God's calling us to be agents of kingdom justice. Perhaps you're thinking, oh, this, doesn't, this message doesn't apply to me. I don't pay back evil for evil. I'm certainly not a vengeful person. All right, let's simplify this and personalise it a bit. How about someone cuts you off in traffic, so then you tailgate them just to annoy them, just to teach them a lesson. Or perhaps someone didn't invite you to their party, so you deliberately exclude them from your next invite list. Or this is a good one. Your neighbour's music keeps you up at night. So you go out the next morning really early and mow the lawns. Any of these sound familiar? Now, of course, I don't want to trivialise the very real evil and genuine wrongs that you may have endured. But I want you to know that God sees and God cares. If you place your pain in his hands... Romans 2.6 says, He will judge everyone according to what they have done. We all stand before God one day and have to give an account for everything we do, good or bad. So you don't need to worry that they're not going to get their just desserts. They will. But in the meantime, we need to show love and do good to them because that's our role. It might not be in our timing. You can rest assured that God still has it under control. And I'm speaking from my own very real experience. But God's given me a very, very clear promise that what's happened in the dark 
will come to light. I don't know when that will be. I'm hoping it was yesterday. But God knows. It might not even be in my lifetime. And that's not for me to know, not, not for me to worry about. I just need to trust God and not take matters into my own hands. And I can rest in that. Our natural instinct is to retaliate. And injustice has been done and we want to settle the score. You might even feel justified in getting revenge, but at what cost? When we try to get even with someone or take revenge, we unleash a vicious cycle. Because someone always has to have the last say. And so each retaliation ends up becoming worse and more harsh than the initial wrong. The Association for Psychological Science published a magazine article which talked about a group of psychology professors who had performed a study on what happens in the brain when someone's been wronged. So they set up an economic exchange game and they planted certain participants who ripped the others off. After the students discovered the wrong, the researchers then allowed half of the victims to punish their perpetrator, but the other half were not given any opportunity for revenge. As the victims contemplated revenge, the activity in their brain was recorded, and the researchers immediately noticed a rush of neural activity in the caudate nucleus. How many doctors here? Oh, <laughs> Joe. <laughs> the caudate nucleus, you know what it is, isn't it? Yes. Um, it's the part of the brain which is known to process rewards. However, after given the chance to retaliate, these same students found that they actually felt worse than those who were not given any opportunity to take revenge. Ten minutes after the game, they continued to brood about the wrong, significantly more than the others. And the students who didn't have any opportunity for revenge were identified as the happier group. Movies and TV shows will often portray the act of revenge as a way of gaining closure after being wronged. But in fact, revenge has the opposite effect. Instead of gaining closure and quenching hostility, revenge prolongs the offence by creating a cycle of retaliation. Another article reported higher levels of aggression in people who had supposedly vented their anger than in those who had done nothing at all and increased rumination that prevented them from moving on. These researchers found that those who don't take revenge are forced to move on and focus on something different, and they feel happier. So as we've seen from this experiment, the sweetness of revenge is short-lived. And when we continue ruminating over a wrong, it eats us up. N.T. Wright says, Revenge keeps evil in circulation, whether in a family or a town or an entire community like the Middle East or Northern Ireland. The culture of revenge, unless broken, is never ending. However, we can break that cycle. What does Paul say in 1 Thessalonians 5? Strive to do good for each other. He knows it's not something that comes naturally. Strive in the Greek is dioko, which is a very deliberate and purposeful word. 
It means earnestly pursue, press on, seek after, struggle vigorously as in a battle or an opposition or a conflict. And it is a battle. Being a Christian is living in a constant spiritual battle. In, in Peter, First Peter it says the devil roams around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We're in a constant spiritual struggle, so to, we need to make a determined effort to strive. And I think Paul's deliberately used this word strive, which is the same word he used for when he persecuted the church, which is interesting. It's the same word, same Greek word. And he uses the word strive to show that as vigorously as we might want to seek revenge, we're to run at the same speed in the same effort and determination in the opposite direction towards doing good for the other person, despite the opposition or resistance we may face. Remember, the kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. We don't repay evil for evil. That's how the world thinks. But as Jesus commanded us to love one another, repaying good for evil. Think about Jesus on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them. Despite them hurling abuse at him, he saw the bigger picture and knew that he must stay right before God. We can't control how people respond. We just need to do what God's asked us to do. 1 Peter 2, 21 and 23 in the New Living Translation says, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. And verse 23 is, He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. Might not be in our timing, but he always judges fairly. John Piper, a theologian, says Jesus' enemies did not all respond positively to his love for them. One thief on the cross repented, the other one cursed him. Peter repented, Judas hanged himself. The centurion recognised him as the son of God, while the Pharisees were glad to be rid of him. So when Paul says don't repay evil for evil or wrong for wrong, he's saying don't take matters into your own hands. It's not our role to change or fix people or make them good. Christ died for evil. He paid the price and if others don't accept that, that's for God to judge. Our role is just to do good for them, period. We are called to do good for others. It's what God intends for us. For those of you who don't know, I own an HK Premier. Who knows what that is? It's an old car, 1968. And um, a couple of years ago, we celebrated the 50th anniversary of the creation of this amazing vehicle. And, <laughs> and um, so a lot of cars from interstate, all around Australia, all gathered together. There were hundreds of cars, all the HKs, HTs and HGs. And... One of the cars was trailered in. It had only done, do you remember how many miles? Three miles. 
three miles on it. It was trailered in. It was put at the front with a fence around it. And everyone stood and admired it. It looked fantastic. But it's not what it was created to do. It's not created to be a museum piece. It was created to be driven on the road. And it's the same with us. God intended for us to do good to one another. So what exactly is doing good? What does it look like in our church, in our community, in your world? Back to Les Mis. Despite the change in Jean Valjean after becoming the recipient of mercy undeserved, he still relentlessly was pursued by Inspector Javert, who was determined to put him back in prison. And many times Jean Valjean had an opportunity to, to kill the inspector, yet each time he set him free. Instead of revenge, he chose to do good. And that's what happens when we experience, it, experience the life-changing love of Christ. In fact, in the very last song they sing, it says, to love another person is to see the face of God. When we love someone... We are displaying God to them. We might be the only Bible they ever read. Are you representing him well? And that's the number one key. We can't do good until we truly understand God's love for us. So my point number one is receive. To ex- if. if it- To effectively love others, we must first accept and receive Christ's love for us. 1 John 4.19 says we love because he first loved us. Jesus showed us what real love looks like. Not the Hollywood love, but true, sacrificial, selfless love. Have you ever given much thought to the depth of Jesus' love for you? Just think about that for a moment. While we were still sinners, whether we choose to accept him or not, he died for us. He died for you. That's how great his love is for us. Have you thought about the magnitude of the price that he paid? He became our ugly, selfish sin. He died on a barbaric cross when it should have been me. It should have been you. It should have been all of us. He endured separation from God because of our sin. That's how much he loves you. Secondly, it's a choice. After receiving God's love, we need to choose. We need to strive to do good, which is intentional. It's deliberate. We must want to obey, not just because the Bible tells us to. We need to choose to show love, to speak in love, to act in love, regardless of how you're treated. And not just on the days that we feel like it. Back to 1 Thessalonians 5.15. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but sometimes 
Always. Always. Not only when we feel like it, not only when we know that they'll be nice back to us, always strive to do good for each other and for everyone else. Choose not to give up. Choose not to judge or write that other person off. We've just finished doing the Alpha course and during one of the videos they interview a guy called Graham Seed who had come out of prison and he lived on the streets. He was a drug addict and alcoholic. Um, He had nowhere to sleep so he just slept on a park bench. And one day some fellas came up to him and started sharing the love of Christ with him. And he actually chased him down the street. He wanted nothing to do with it. Eventually he ended up in hospital with septicemia. He hadn't been eating properly. All he was doing was drinking and taking drugs. And he should have died. These same people that had continually come and shared the love of Christ with him went into him in the hospital and showed the love of Christ yet again. And he ended up accepting Christ. Wow. So powerful. Don't give up. Even if someone chases you down the street, don't give up. Thirdly, invite the Holy Spirit to help you. Seek his wisdom and his assistance. Anything that God's asked us to do is not meant to be done in our own strength. We can't, but God can. So ask him to help you. Fourthly, invest. Doing good for one another is a kingdom investment. It's not about us at all. You might think that doing good for someone who doesn't appreciate your goodness or kindness is pointless. But what we do has kingdom rewards. It's an investment. When you make a financial investment, you're sacrificing the money that you could have now for today's enjoyment. You're sacrificing it for a future reward. And that's what we're doing. By doing good to one another... We're sacrificing what could be a pleasurable revenge now for an eternal reward in the future. And lastly, it's a together thing. To do good for one another means we need um, one another. Look at the person next to you or behind you or in front of you. They need you. Have you thought about that? They need you. We don't know what they're going through. We don't know what's happened this week in their life. But I can guarantee if you do good for them, they'll feel encouraged, uplifted. They will have seen Christ in you. Remember I said at the beginning, hurting people hurt people. If someone hurts you, more often than not, it's because they're hurting. They don't need your anger or retaliation. They need to be shown love, understanding, goodness. So how do we do good for someone? 
Listen to them. Really listen between the words and actions. If someone hurts you, pray for them. Bless them. Treat them as you would treat Jesus if it was him standing there. To quote Mother Teresa, at the end of life we will not be judged by how many diplomas we've received, how much money we've made, how many great things we've done. We'll be judged by I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was naked and you clothed me. I was homeless and you took me in. And Jesus says, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. By doing good for one another, we're doing good for Jesus. 1 Peter 3, 9 to 18 sums this up perfectly. I'm going to read it from the message version. It's a bit long, but bear with me. Summing up, be agreeable, be sympathetic, be loving, be compassionate, be humble. That goes for all of you, no exceptions. No retaliation, no sharp-tongued sarcasm. Instead, bless. That's your job, bless. You'll be a blessing and you'll also get a blessing. Whoever wants to embrace life and see the day filled up with good, here's what you do. Say nothing evil or hurtful. Snub evil and cultivate good. Run after peace. Strive. Run after peace for all your worth. God looks on this with approval, listening and responding well to what he's asked. But he turns his back on those who do evil things. If with heart and soul you're doing good, do you think you can be stopped? Even if you suffer for it, you're still better off. Don't give the opposition a second thought. Through thick and thin, keep your hearts at attention in adoration before Christ, your master. Be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks you why you're living the way you are and always with the utmost courtesy. Keep a clear conscience before God so that when people throw mud at you, none of it will stick. They'll end up realising that they're the ones who need a bath. It's better to suffer for doing good, if that's what God wants, than to be punished for doing bad. That's what Christ did definitively. He suffered because of others' sin, the righteous one for the unrighteous ones. He went through it all, was put to death, and then made alive to bring us to God. Wow. He did it all. As I have loved you, love one another. Everything he went through was because of his love for you and for me. We have no right doing anything other than showing love for one another and striving to do good for one another. Perhaps you don't know Christ here. Perhaps you've been quite complacent in your walk with him. 
maybe something I've said's challenged you today. Or you just want to know more. Maybe you like prayer on the way you treat others. Maybe you just want prayer in general. As the guys come up and finish off with a song, if that's you, please don't leave today without speaking to Pastor Andrew or Pastor Rachel or myself. And we'd love to share with you more about the love of Christ. We'd love to be able to pray with you. If this has challenged you today, come and speak to us. We're in this together. We're here for one another. Maybe you don't want us to pray for you. Grab, grab the person next to you. Ask them to pray for you. Let's strive to do good for one another. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your love. That you showed us your love when you took on our sin. That you died in our place so that we could stand righteous before you. Help us not to minimise that by trying to take matters into our own hands, but help us to strive to always do good for one another. Because by showing love to one another by this, all men will know that we are your disciples and we thank you. We thank you that sharing our faith with others is that simple. It's just about loving one another. Thank you for showing us what love is and how to love. Help us to be your representatives here on earth. Amen. Thanks for listening and we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If this message has impacted you in some way, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us through The Hub online at thehub.rbc.org.au or through our social media links in the show notes. See you next time.